I think the, the most important topic I would give as an advice is to be authentic. Tea or coffee? Difficult that's a mean question. one. I, I yeah, that's that. a, yeah. <laughs> and now, your podcast hosts, Andre and Christian. Hello and welcome to another episode of Connecting for Future. There are many ways in which technology can be used to make the world a better place. We are convinced that we can overcome today's challenges if we connect great people, inspiring ideas and innovative technology. Today, we are honored to have Dirk Ramos as guest. He not only is the CIO of Invonic Industries, which is a German specialty chemicals company, but also regatta chairman of Kiel Week and responsible for the Olympic sailing in the German Sailing Association. Dirk, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks uh, for inviting me. We prepared a long list of topics, actually, we would like to cover today, starting from technology to people, from sustainability to passion. So let's get started to cover as much as possible. We are currently facing a lot of challenges, be it the energy crisis, non-reliable supply chains, or the war for talents. Technology can help at least to cope with some aspects of these challenges. What is the secret to bring technology to life, in your opinion? It's the understanding of data, um, because this is the kind of fool for um, all kind of uh, technology we're talking about. It's the, the source of wisdom um, that we need to generate with data scientists and, and others. But it's also uh, very important uh, because it gives us the direction um, by learning from, from data from the past and uh, by interpolation also to look into the future. So when we talk about data, it's interesting that you state that. Uh, my hypothesis would be that a lot of companies have a lot of data but don't put a lot of effort into meaningful ideas to really generate intelligence out of the data what do you think yeah, about this that? is correct i mean um, i think we are full of data um, whatever we do if we are manufacturing in, in trading or in uh, just uh, selling products and um, due to the feeling that there are a lot of restrictions uh, people have a natural distance to to really dig into the data And uh, this is something we have to overcome in order to, to use this benefit and, and uh, dig for the, yeah, the insights. Do you think that's the case only for like individuals or also for CEOs of bigger companies? I mean, is leadership in Germany in the past meant always that you learned about not to share personal data, etc. So you, you were trained on the restriction of data, not on the value of data. And uh, this is part of my personal mission, really to share and and document and motivate people to understand the value of data, um, not by the data as such, but, but, for example, by the combination of data, by bringing different sources together, uh, internal and external. To implement technology means that also people need to adapt and need to change. And I think this change will be even faster in the future. So what's your view on on, on people driving technology and, and, and implementing technology? I personally believe that technology and, and in my scope, information technology, in other words, IT, is the area in any corporation that is facing most innovations. 
So it's the most dynamic area where you lose the knowledge of what you know today. Um, if I look back to my own experience of 30 years in the industry, the programming languages that I've learned are no longer relevant. I mean, COBOL and Assembler and things like this. Right. What is still relevant is the logic, how you do things like this. But to compare to the state of art, programming languages and programming interfaces, etc., my, my knowledge has aged. And I think this is very important for, for example, uh, for a role like mine as a CIO, but for any kind of leadership role in IT, to establish a thinking of a learning organization, um, which means um, you have to continuously keep your knowledge up to date. You have to be open to say, okay, instead of read this book and then you're done, you have to, to learn reading because there are more books to come. Right. And, and this is very important uh, for your questions, Andre, related to the, the way of implementing technology because it's not done by just doing this new software. There's a new software after this new software and there will be even right. a further one um, coming along the road. And you have always to deal with those innovations that are enabled and brought by technology. Right. And Dirk, just like when I think about a CIO, you need to protect huge organizations. How, how would you think about um, getting up every morning? What motivates you to get up and be ahead of the game? I think what, what drives me in this regard is um, the, the impact that IT could play, the impact that IT right. could have. Um, in many organizations, um, IT is, is seen as a cost factor. Hmm. Um, so usually you only talk about IT if something is not working. If your PC is not booting fast enough or you have a bad Teams connection or whatever. But this is changing, right? Yes, because people start, and organizations and corporations as well, start understanding the value of IT. IT becomes, not only because of the topic of digital, becomes a differentiating factor. Um, of course, there's still the commodity side of IT, It needs to work as planned and, and in the way of um, it costs. But there's another way where you can really differentiate the business, um, so to speak, in sales uh, or in engineering or in R&D. And uh, this brings us back then again to the data topic. Hmm. When I started working in IT, it was called data processing. <laughs> yeah, so and and... Even 30 years ago, it was all about data. So now we have different methodologies and technologies that gives us insights into data in a different way we were not even dreaming of 30 years ago. And, and this is then the key to unlock this level of, of being recognized as an enabler. How, how would you rate the importance of the IT talking to the different business units? I mean, as I said, there's a commodity layer, and, and this needs to be in a, in a good price-quality um, ratio. Um, and, and this is where you have to fulfill certain levels of, of service levels or whatever. Fine. If you talk to businesses, you really talk to a very individual way of supporting different businesses. Hmm. And, and this is very important that you um, start speaking the language of the business. You start uh, understanding the the challenges and the concerns of the business. And, again, related to the data, 
you have a good understanding of the data strategy. So what is the data they have already? What is the data they need? What is the maturity of the data they have? And what is the delta? And, and out of this, then really provide a set of technology that close the gap and, and improves the way the individual business can handle their data and be more effective and, and more successful in their business. In regards to data, Dirk, Our last guest was Ben Hodges, the former commander of the United States Army in Europe and Africa. He spoke about cybersecurity and that attacks happen every day, like waves on the ocean, every few seconds, constantly. Individuals, governments, or even government-funded groups are trying and also attacking small to big and global organizations. So just for our listeners, what is the first thing you do in the morning, Dirk? Do you read reports which you get or do you start with emails, checking your inbox as what is important? Um, I usually try to start very digital detoxed um, because um, over the day I, I'm always connected. So the first view on the phone is if I have received any calls or received any messages that uh, show that we had any kind of um, um, major failure or whatever. Um, if this is not the case, um, I mean, I have an, enough um, responsibilities in the organization split it um, so that I have a, a chief uh, information security officer, for example. If I have nothing heard from him, everything is still on green or amber. Uh, if uh, I do not receive any major incident report from my operations guys, also uh, all the operations is running. So this is fine. So I'm not checking emails while just, um, um, let's say, spend the first minutes uh, after the alarm clock here. Yeah. Okay. And, and I'm not asking when you get up because I'm afraid of the answer. So I'm not asking. Uh, yes, it's, but it depends on, on um, what I do in terms of if I commute into the office or if I have to take a train somewhere else to. All right. And Dirk, you, just looking to yourself, you're like a very sporty guy, right? So you do like sailing. I know that's your ambition, but also cycling and um, horse riding. Um, so that's about getting in shape, staying in shape. So currently, what's your favorite? Would it be cycling? Would it be horse riding? No, I mean, now we are in the ugly, um, ugly months of, of um, March and it's still pretty cold outside. So, um, therefore, outdoor activities, either on the horse or uh, on the bicycle, is, is a little bit um, limited in terms of the fun factor. <laughs> um, so, if I have time, I, I go on indoor cycling. Uh, with the horse, it's difficult. <laughs> But, uh, um, um, so, it's in anyway, only one or two times a month. But, uh, yeah, so I prefer this kind of... And, and even, like you said, sailing, um, so the season has not started yet, um, at least in Europe uh, or in Germany specific. Um, so this maybe starts after Easter. Thank you so much. Yeah. So sailing is one of your passions, Dirk. Um, you're not only the regatta chairman of Kiel Week, uh, you're also responsible for the Olympic sailing in the German Sailing Association. Mm -hmm. What do you think... Uh, we all in organizations can learn from sports like sailing? I think, um, first of all, it's a very complex sport. Um, so you have to take into account many different variables um, in performing this sport to an Olympic level, but even to an um, let's say amateur level as well. So there's uh, um, stream in the water, there's... Um, 
the wind of course the boat um any if you if you sail for competition you have to into uh, take into account also the competitors and um this you have all to to do in real time you cannot do any simulations because you do not know how the competitors will behave you can assume how they behave but you're not sure you have to do it while you do the race and um so therefore Talking to the sailors and, and dealing with the sailors, you have a, a very attractive group also of um, talents that I also try to attack uh, for, um, um, for example, jobs in, in digitalization or IT, huh. because they can deal with this, this set of complexities. This is this is very interesting. On the other side, um, and and this is more generic to to any kinds of semi-professional or professional sports, um, you have to deal with your Ambition in terms of uh, goal setting, um, uh, working on on the goal setting in terms of step by step, um, on your discipline. I mean, you asked me about wake up times um, when I was um, um, a sportsman myself. Um, I had to go to, to to exercise before I went to school. So every morning, five o'clock, I went into the swimming pool and and uh, had my training before. And then afterwards, went to school. So this needs a lot of discipline. This needs a lot of vision of what you want to achieve. In other words, goals. And what I have learned, and, and many of my athletes I'm working with have this as well, is the capability to, to have realistic goals. Not to, to have any fancy thing, um, but really right. to be very realistic of what you can achieve. And then always balance um, what is the thing you can put on the table and something that you cannot influence because of limited capabilities or um, money in, in terms of professional sailing campaigns or things like this. And this is this is very impressive. Right. And you also mentioned talents, right? So organizations face this war for talents where you're just getting, getting, getting people who are highly motivated. On the other side, you manage every year now since many years so many volunteers for Kila Week. Um, how do you motivate people like saying, hey, look, we work for my organization or be like a volunteer for the Keeler Week. Is there like a secret you have? Um, first of all, compared to many professional organizations, there's a major difference in terms of intrinsic motivation hmm. to extrinsic motivation. So intrinsic motivation as a volunteer is is really about making things happen. Um, so those volunteers in a certain way need attention. Yeah, So you have to make sure that you not overdo it while by utilizing them, for example, with long days and a lot of kind of mission impossible you give them. Um, but by um, spreading the word of, of the experience of, of being part of this, um, be part of this event like Heal Week, um, this is what really brings a lot of motivation to the people. Yeah, that, that's what's my feeling as well. You don't have to motivate them. They, they are motivated by themselves, right? And you have a great, great team there. Yes, but you have to, to um, um, build an environment that serves this expectation in a certain way. Um, give you an example. Um, sometimes the cubic usually is in the week of midsummer night. This means we can sail, if the wind is good, we can sail until 10 o'clock in the evening. And we did so. Uh, we had some, some years where there was very low wind in the morning, and we postponed the races to start in the, in the afternoon and ended in the evening. The volunteers 
are highly committed, but when they return from the water and the restaurants are already closed, they have a problem. And and uh, so, for example, over the co uh, course of the time, we implemented um, uh, uh, a kind of buffet for the um, uh, officials, the athletes, um, get their own stuff, but I really talk about the volunteers, um, so that they can, whenever they come from the water, they still get something to eat as mm -hmm. a kind of thank you for what you have done for the day. And and this is very important. And um, we have also two evenings. So the key week is nine days of sailing. And two evenings of the nine days, because we have two parts in the key week, uh, those two evenings are dedicated to the volunteers by a kind of official reception. Um, and we have sponsors and the city of Kiel then um, um, making the normal dinner more special. Um, and then uh, we have also a lottery and you can um, <clears throat> have a lucky draw of, of winning something, even cruise because we work with AIDA. Uh, so the, the major prize is a, is a cruise for, for a week somewhere in the Mediterranean, for example. And, and this gives a lot of uh, motivation to the people because they, they get recognized and they get... Um, a feedback and a, a kind of resonance for what they do in, in their commitment they give to the Key Week. And during the Key Week, um, it's up to uh, 350 to 450 people. Huh. Yeah, and, and communication is key as well, right? Um, so when I visited you two years ago, I think there was no wind. Mm -hmm. and, and your team was thinking about what to do next. And, and you know, w what struck me was that the kind of professionalism to to answer to this situation and the answer was okay the emergency guys the doctors the emergency teams they were uh, um, training because they didn't have anything to do and didn't say okay we, we make a break or whatever but they thought about you know how can we spend the time yeah uh, yeah it's a good it's a good observation um, you took away so we had um, usually we have um, up to 10 different race courses and those race courses are supported by different Uh, emergency services organization like the uh, Red Cross or the um, Deutsche Gesellschaft zur Rettungsseebrüchiger um, or uh, DLRG um, and others. And um, because of the voluntary side on, on my end and, and their voluntary side, there's hardly any option in order to, to really train how to hand over if, for example, a, a sailor has capsized Uh, to make sure that you get the sailor uh, away from the ship, etc., etc., and and uh, Andre, like you uh, reported, um, they practices while there was no wind, and so they the on the one side the the handover was trained on the uh, on the other side for the emergency services they got more in touch with the with the sailors and the different boats and and the sizes of the boats so that they were able to deal with the situation better. But it's yeah, I mean it's. We always say after Kiel Week is before Kiel Week, and 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 definitely it's a, it's eleven months preparation. But what you cannot prepare is the wind, and mm -hmm. we have every morning eight fifteen. We have also a meeting with um, our weather frog, so to speak, the um, uh, a very senior advisor to the German television, but also to many sailing initiatives around the globe. And then we, we lay out the portfolio for the day to say, okay, what is the wind we can expect? And based on, on this forecast, uh, then we make our decisions. So can we start directly? Then the first start is by 11 o'clock. 
If there's no wind in the afternoon, like I said, we have long days, so can be postponed, so that the way the sailors are also not waiting the whole day in the in the harbor, but they can just come back by three o'clock in the afternoon. Or, and, and this is still a good situation, um, or if we expect um, a, a kind of weather front with thunderstorms and, and heavy winds, when do we expect this? Uh, can mm. we make sure that all sailors are back from the, from the sea? Um, these are the questions we have to answer as a team, as a leadership team. And I, as a, as a leader of this whole group, then I have to take the personal responsibility for the decision we take. And, and this is, um, yeah, this is, my second life, let's call it this way. Yeah, but it's very interesting, right? So in, you even got strong partners, right? Like with Audi is new now to the Kila Week, thanks to your effort and I to I think your it's work. not new, actually. It's, it's not yeah, new? No, no, it's more than 10 years. Really. Oh, yeah. I thought it's new. They sir. have been out for two years and, and now for the second year they're back. Okay. Um, so it's a long, long, long um, relationship. And, and But what is the driving force for almost all of our partners is sustainability, Mm. Um, and and even the the Audi e-tron, for example, years ago was launched in Kiel. Um, um, so it was part of our initiative to to showcase that um, uh, we have a strong interest in in sustainability. Um, we have some limitations. If you have a, a global event, we have more than four thousand participants coming from more than sixty countries. They cannot come with the bicycle carrying mm. their boat. So we have some limitations. Nevertheless, while running the event, um, we try to optimize our footprint. And, and this year, for example, we will have the first time a footprint reporting, um, really to showcase what is what we have to manage in future uh, by compensation, because we cannot be neutral by definition, so to speak, or by, for example, uh, replacing uh, certain systems by more sustainable systems. Um, and, and years ago, for example, two years ago, Yeah, no, it was already before the pandemic, 2019. We implemented uh, a recycle or kind of circular system for for um, cups that you had in the harbor. So if you had right. uh, a beer in, in the one tent and you go back to the other, then you could recycle it and you get uh, deposit back. Uh, and this massively reduced the the uh, rubbish uh, and letter uh, things. Uh, on the other side, um, we have. Uh, um, for example, looked into e-mobility for carrying our boats in the harbor. Um, we we tried to minimize the, the footprint by motorboats. They still need motorboats in order to be safeguarding the sailors. Right. Yeah. Um, but let's let's optimize this. Um, we try to to do beach cleanings. We make um, separation of litter um, uh, with uh, also different partners. Uh, dot dot dot. And uh, starting in 2019, the Kiel Week has been awarded by the organization Sailors of the Sea by their Platinum Award, which is the, the highest category you can get hmm. uh, from this organization for running a sailing event. And um, uh, meanwhile, we had uh, been awarded three times with this high level of recognition by a global organization. And now we want to go one step further um, into a footprint reporting for the sports this year. And, and potentially also next year for the whole event and here event for for all people on on the uh, audience um, we talk about more than three and a half million visitors um, and um, so this is I mean again goal setting this is our goal I know your engagement in the sailing sports also gives you a lot of energy for your job as CIO how does this work and how do you fit all of your activities in one day 
That's a good question. So my day also still have 24 hours and I'm not a kind of guy that don't need, need any sleep. So I need some sleep. Um, simply by management by delegation. So my role in Kidwick is I'm responsible, which does not mean I have to do all the things myself. Um, I'm more the uh, mechanic that brings um, the wheels of the clock together once a year, but I don't have to 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 um, make and drill all the wheels by myself. So we have teams working on this all year long, and my role is to um, to be the um, yeah director, the the um, the one that is orchestrating um, the the sound of of an orchestra. Um, but the violins and the percussions and the drums they have all practiced and and performed and and trained um, to a very professional level by themselves. And I'm just standing up and, and then giving directions for the event. It's a little bit more, uh, but it's uh, really to say it's only a couple of hours a month that comes together because of a very, very well-trained and very well-experienced team. And uh, I, um, it's a group of 20 people that work really year-long and then over the event, as I said, 350 to 450 people then as a, as a maximum. Quick fire round. Tea or coffee? Coffee um, for a couple of months now. Well, I, I would have thought it's tea. If, if, if you would have asked me what, what is Greg going to answer, it would have been tea. Yeah, so for I, years it was tea. <laughs> um, but uh, um, uh, in a very funny um, occasion, everybody ordered an espresso and I did so. And, and um, my friend was looking at me saying, what are you doing? And I said, okay, I'm not giving any kind of disclosure that I'm not drinking coffee. So I, I tried it and it was, I really enjoyed it. And since uh, it might be a year ago, I drink coffee. Subway or Uber? Bicycle. <laughs> okay, it's not an option. I, um, especially when I'm, I'm traveling in cities, uh, I try to to be on surface. Um, but on the other side, as I try to, to minimize my footprint, I try to go public service. So therefore, Subway. Oh, cool. Horse riding or sailing? Oh, difficult. That's a mean question. one. I, I yeah, that's that. a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one after the other, not uh, together. Um, um, actually, really doing things, I'm more on horse riding than on sailing because, uh, I mean, horse riding you can really plan as long as the, the horse is, is okay. Um, but if I say, oh, this weekend, the upcoming weekend, I go sailing, uh, the, the, the potential that there's wind and uh, is. Not always given. So therefore, the prediction of doing something is given in horse riding. And I would say horse riding. In regards to soccer, for your old role and the new role, Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund? Uh, I was in the Champions League games, home games of Borussia two weeks ago and yesterday of uh, Munich. Um, but my heart is still with Munich. <laughs> well, so we have to end the uh, talk now, please. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Dirk, we also want to inspire young leaders with our podcast here. So is there any suggestion from your side what you would say young leaders should do to be successful? I think the, the most important topic I would give as an advice is to be authentic. Um, be yourself, not try to, to be somebody else in terms of expectation. Um, 
I think this is very important because if you lead and you have maybe your first team or later on a large organization, etc., it's very important that they really get to know you in the way you you are uh, in a certain way, and and this is this is very important. You cannot play a role. Maybe you can do it once, but you cannot do it consistently over a long term and time. And and this is maybe the most important topic. On the other side, like we said earlier, if you if you have a team, um, we are back to the sports. You have to set realistic goals. Um, you have to to lead them to success. Um, it's not done by giving goals. It's, it's also by establishing an, a surrounding and an environment of support so that each and everybody, and really each and everybody, can meet his or her goals in, in terms of uh, realizing this. And this is very important. That's a great set of advice. Thank you, Dirk. Welcome. It was a pleasure to be here in Düsseldorf. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We hope you found this episode informative and helpful. Follow this podcast for more great conversations with global leaders and inspiring stories across the world. Stay tuned, take care, and all the best. Your podcast host, Andre and Krishna.